The Last Word with Matt Cooper. It's Culture Club time and I'm delighted that we are joined by somebody very well known to you for decades off the television screens for his rugby coverage, but also a man who does many other things. He's been children's book author, he's founded the Outside and Art Gallery in Dublin, the owner of Pope Shirts and Shoes and the founder of the Elephant in the Room Mental Health Project. Brent Pope, thank you very much for joining us for the Culture Club. I think you, uh, your listeners had fear you were going to say George Hook for a while. but There's no fear of that. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about culture today, yeah, exactly, you see, Exactly. <laughs> anyway, before we get to all your Culture Club selections, tell us about the Elephant in the Room Mental Health Project. Yeah, just quickly, uh, I love art and, and I love a, a, a special form of art, which was outsider art. And actually, the story goes on where I got to meet David Bowie. But uh, outsider art I loved, and that's art. So, what from, does outsider art mean? Outside art, the best description I've uh, heard is art uncooked by culture, meaning people have to do the art for mental well being. And the art comes from, it originated as brute art or raw art or whatever you want to hear. It originated from the kind of mental health hospitals in France years ago. Uh, and it's art from the, if you go to New York or something, I tell everybody to go to along to an outside art fair. It's fascinating because the art comes from the subways, comes from the homeless, comes from the criminally insane, comes from, you know, all those sort of people that just have to do art, not for commercial reasons, but just because. It makes how, them feel how, good. How it makes them feel. So I had a gallery a few years ago that I championed that art. I made a documentary for RT that was very popular on my love of outside art. So a few years ago I was um, speaking down in Kilkenny, actually, a mental health talk uh, that I give, and I came out of the, the talk and I saw these wonderful sculptured cats all painted um, and I asked somebody about them. I said, not only are they a great piece of art, I said, I'd love one in my house and... The guy said, oh, he said, that's a part of a fundraising campaign, I think, for the Kilkenny Cats GA. And it got me thinking, what could I do around mental health? Because I've been a mental health advocate for nearly two decades now and going out and telling my story. And, you know, I feel I've been banging against closed doors for a lot of that time. And I just thought, how can I have an awareness campaign that'll capture everybody's imagination in the right way? So then I came up with, I was talking to somebody else here after another mental health talk and somebody said, a uh, guy in the construction industry, I think, said, oh, well, of course, we don't like to talk about the elephant in the room, Brent. And I said, what is that for you? And he said, oh, mental health worries. And I, I got it because when we talk about the elephant in the room, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be something around anxiety or depression or suicidal ideology. It can be something around, you know, racism, gender issues, whatever, whatever affects your mental health indirectly or directly is what I term the elephant in the room. And I'm sure if I ask yourself what your elephant was, everybody has an elephant as far as I see it. Everybody has something that they don't want to talk about. You know, that sort of, I'm not saying it's life's dirty little secret, but just something about your personality that, you know, were you bullied, were you a bully, were you, you know. And so I came up with the elephant room concept just to get everybody talking that I shouldn't be seen as being brave or courageous or anything like that. I should just be seen as normal because I went through all those years, Matt, in my life uh, when I was in a dark place of loneliness, of being scared, of being frightened, coming from a macho world that I, I couldn't go to friends, I couldn't go anybody to talk to. And my life at that stage was without a lot of hope, you know, because I had a lot of doors closed to me thinking that, oh, well, you're a big physical rugby player, you're well able to look after yourself physically, but I wasn't able to look after myself mentally. So 
that's the awareness campaign. It has a fundraising element to it, which is and it has actual physical replica yeah. elephants as yeah, well, doesn't got, it? I got them painted by. I went. I marched down to the RDS and I got some artists involved, artists like Mazer, Tom Byrne, all these fantastic artists that were so generous with their time. And I said, look, this is my project that I want to do. And they said, we're we're behind this, because they said a lot of artists like musicians have you know, I suppose, mental health issues or whatever. That's why they're so good at their art. But uh, so so I got 24 of them uh, painted and they've been on show in the Stevens Green and the Nut Grove Shopping Centre. They've now moved down to the CHQ and we're um, having a big opening in, in a, a couple of weeks' time. But people can go and view them uh, down at the CHQ. And then... I want businesses or whatever or individuals to bid on them, you know, to, yeah. to and 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 the funds go to the Samaritans uh, for this year because they've effectively that call to the Samaritans years ago saved my life. So, but what I want more is that somebody that's suffering in silence can go into a business foyer or a uh, um, uh, sporting organisation or whatever and see one of these elephants there and it comes with a plaque saying that that business or that organisation is committed to making it easier to talk about conversations that around mental health or whatever. So that gives that person hope. I would have loved to have seen an elephant when 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 I was trying to go to doctors or to fellow teammates and that because I just didn't think anybody cared when, in fact, they probably did. But uh, so, look, it's gone gangbusters. It's gone. We've had we've had orders from elephants from uh, the Philippines, from Nigeria, from Australia, from... You know, wanting business, businesses wanting one in there for you because it's a start. I'm not saying it's the answer to everything, but the start of of of, of a recovery is reaching out and talking to someone. So, Excellent. Okay, that's great, and we'll keep in touch about that and see yeah. how you get on with that. Let's get to your culture club choices. Get my culture club, and I, I I I I know I came on to you because I heard this I heard this over the radio one night, and I I, I loved it because of a music's played a, a huge part of my life, and we can all go back into our lives into the history of our lives at where music defined periods, good or bad, uh, in our kind of, uh, in our personality, actually. Well, go back to the first single you ever remember buying down in your own <laughs> native country of New Zealand. Mm. So I'm just taking a drink of water there. Well, the first single, I'm going back a few years now, I, I, I always had a love of music and I probably, I probably came into it for the right side of when music was going through so many changes because I straddled an era where I probably started off first listening to the Beatles when they were coming to the end of their, I was born in 1961, so they were coming to the kind of the, the, the different Beatles music than I grew up with. But uh, I had a, 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 but the first one I can remember going down to the shop and paying for was uh, Come On, Feel the Noise by Slade. You know, I'm just about embarrassed to say that now because... No, don't be embarrassed. <laughs> Let, there may be some people who don't know it. I'm sure they all do. Let's Come hear on, a bit of it. Come on, feel the noise.
Slade, come on, feel the noise. We've had far worse than that as a first single choice. No, it was just a... I don't know what was appearing. I was just a sort of croaky voice or something, but I certainly didn't dress like them because they were part of that kind of, you know, glam rock yeah. uh, sort of generation of it, like T-Rex and, and Mark Bowl on that. But it was just, I remember buying that record. But it was even the spelling, the, the way they spelt noise or something, N-O-I-Z-E. And I remember probably being a bit dyslexic as a kid. And I remember trying to convince Friends, that's the way you spell noise, you know. <laughs> okay, you've given us two favourite albums, and one of them is one of my favourites as well, Thin Lizzy's Live yeah, and Dangerous. Why great. have you gone for that? Well, I wasn't in, I wasn't into what you would, at those days, be hard rock. Uh, but I, again, a bit like the Slade, I remember having an argument say, this, this can't be a band from Ireland because, you know, it was so far away from what deemed to be in New Zealand Irish music was uh, yeah. the, the tin whistle and, and and sort of folk music. And suddenly you heard this wonderful, uh, that double album is fantastic. And it comes with a bit of a funny story, and I'll tell you why. Because there's a line in the song, what is it, um, I went to the movies, something I got chocolate stains on my pants. Dancing, in the, dancing in the Moonlight. Dancing, yeah. Which I love, that song, Dancing in the Moonlight. But... Uh, when you saw the when the cover opened up and you saw what Phil looked like, I mean it was even less Irish. And I know since the stories of of of, of the troubles he had, looking a bit different in Irish society all those years ago. But uh, the story behind but he was the, a trailblazer in Ireland. He was absolutely, yeah, absolutely. A bit like Rory Gallagher, who was the yeah. other uh, Irish that made it out to New Zealand in the sense of having a kind of a cult following. And I remember friends having this um, music of Rory Gallagher, and I said, "Jesus, who's ever heard about him?" But you know, he's, he's they still celebrate his music. What and Donny Gall or something now? But uh, but anyway, the story behind that uh, went to the movies. Chocolate stains on my pants was. I plucked up. I was very shy with with the opposite sex. I, you know, I, even though I could talk to them, I couldn't. I, you know, I was always fearful of asking anybody out on a date or anything like that. But anyway, I plucked up enough courage one stage to ask a um, a, a fine young lady out to the movies. Uh, her name was Debbie O'Donnell, so she probably had an Irish connection somewhere. Uh, but I was terrified of her father, Edgy McDonald. But anyway, so anyway. I plucked up the courage to ask her to the movies and little old Ashburton, population 7,000 or 6,000 people at that stage, and we lived in the country, so it was a big event. And I remember she turned up and she was a vision. Oh, she was a vision. She was a, a beautiful long blonde hair, and she was. it was the summertime, and she had this beautiful white linen dress on. And I was as nervous as hell, to be honest. You know, I mean, she was out of my league and would have remained out of my league in those days. And... So anyway, ever the gentleman at, at the halftime interval, I got up and got a couple of chocolate bomb ice creams and I bought them back and uh, either she was away from the seat, but I remember sp spilling some of the chocolate onto the seat and I suppose at the end of the day, she sat down on it. And Hang on, why didn't you sit into that seat and uh, well, let her sit into the king seat? I, I, well, I, I put I put a bit of, I put a bit of lack of self blame because I I didn't I didn't know at the time. I probably thought a, a chip has dropped off and gone down the side of the seat. But you can imagine. I don't want to be crude here, but you can imagine when we come out of the movies, everybody was put because she sat. <laughs> Sat in the top, <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell her. I, 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 I should have, I know, but I was, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm 
15 years of age or whatever. I, I never had the heart to tell Debbie O'Donnell, Debbie, you better put a jumper or something. You know, I, I was so embarrassed and so shy that I never went out on another date with Debbie O'Donnell. Would you believe what Thin Lizzy track from that album we have? No. Don't believe a word. Oh, don't believe. <laughs> well, it's a true story. <laughs> I think that's the album I'm getting up to listen to tonight. What a front man. That, like, you know, you, you're talking to the world of music. Has there been a better front man to a kind of a rock band than, say, Phil Linnett or the likes of Jim Morrison? Like, you know, even to this day, yeah, there's still something about the way that he looked, the way that he kind of, the presence he had. Uh, full of charisma. Band. Oh, full but of charisma. But also a brilliant songwriter and a brilliant performer. I was lucky enough to see Thin Lizzy once and it was just a oh, terrific were you? experience. Oh, that's a dream. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm still a fan to this day. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, especially you have driving songs. You're probably the generation like me that when a song comes on and you're in the car, you like driving. And it's those sort of comes on, you know, that, you know, Thin, thin Lizzy I used to listen to before going out to a rugby match because it gets you hyped up, you know. You also have Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road as yeah, a favourite Yeah, just quicker because I think that it was it was not the hits that I loved that album. It was the kind of the, 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 the I suppose, the B-sides, you know, songs like Harmony, Sweet Painted Lady. Every song on that album is good. Yeah. And you really get that with albums, especially of that generation, because so many albums were bought out. If a band had a hit or a solo singer had one hit, he'd bring out an album pretty quickly because they were less expensive to make in those days. But if you listen to that to that uh, album, another one was Super Tramp, Crisis, What Crisis? Mm. If you listen to all those songs, they're all enjoyable in their own way in Elton John's uh, album. And I wasn't a huge Elton John fan, but I am of that of that particular Richard album. album. Favourite band or artist? Favourite band artist is, is a bit of a difficult one. Um, uh, David Bowie I put because I got to meet him and spend about an hour with him. How did um, that happen? Well, it happened by a fluke, actually, and it happened around the outsider art because I had a, a friend, uh, had an um, outsider art um, uh, uh, gallery in uh, Chicago. So anyway, I at a whim, I rang him up and I said, look, I'd like to come out and see your work or something, and uh, he didn't answer. So I, I took a taxi out to his gallery, which is just out of Chicago, and anyway, there was a woman uh, locking up the gallery, and she said, sorry, you know, it's for a private viewing. And I said, look, I'm, I'm all the way from Ireland to see Andrew, and I know him. She said, oh, do you know Andrew? He's that uh, gallery owner. I said, yeah, I do. I said, we've been friends for a number of years, and uh 
and uh, she said, oh, I'll give him a ring or something. She, she said, look, if you if you want to come in and just wait around or something, he's showing somebody else. And when I went in there, I couldn't believe who, who he was showing. It was David Bowie. And he introduced me. And I was like gobsmacked, you know. I, I didn't know what to say. I said, Brent, you bumbling fool, you know. Like I didn't want to just stare at, you know. Uh, and we got talking about his outsider art collection and we didn't talk about music. We just talked about art. And he was... Uh, he was just a gentleman, like, you know, I was just awestruck. You know, it's kind of one of those situations when you meet your kind of idol or one of them and they're better than you think, you know. Yeah. That was the way. And he was so polite and this accent and, oh, yes, I have some of that, you know, that art yeah. and stuff. I said, look, my collection's minuscule compared to yours. But it was just, ah, it was fantastic. But so, you know, he was always one of my favourites and I suppose I've got to go with New Zealand's only probably – kind of super band, you know, they they haven't produced many worldwide acts, as you know, uh, because a lot of good music actually comes out of New Zealand, but in the recent years, Lord and, and, and these, but Crowded House, because I grew up in the university days following Split Ends, which were the kind of basis of, I think they had a big hit over here, I See Red, something years ago, but they morphed into Crowded House then, and uh, yeah, I like Crowded House, you know. Let's take the weather with you. Oh yeah, appropriate now. <laughs> Crowded house. And I also got to meet Tim Finn because people used to think we looked alike. So when they were over a few years ago playing in Whelan's or something, I didn't get to meet Neil, who's the front man, of course, but I got to meet Tim. And I said, I used to have to sign autographs for you when you were in split ends <laughs> when I was at university. But, you know, I think it was a grey hair, but uh, that was it. But Okay, best gig you were ever at. There's a couple here. We'll get you <laughs> one from New Zealand in a moment. But first, Garth Brooks. Yeah, Garth Brooks. I, I, I don't, and I went to see him before. I, I, I had no knowledge of, of of country music. I had no kind of. I didn't know any country music artists. And I got somebody gave me free tickets years ago. To so Garth this is not the recent. Garth no, no. Park this is this is this is maybe this is maybe twenty years ago when well, he first he, came he, over. He came over in the mid nineties. He yeah, was in the that would be Point it. Depot. Yeah, back Point then, Depot. Yeah. Mid nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. So I reluctantly went along. Reluctantly at that time said, "Oh, Garth Brooks, like, pff, you know, Garth Brooks. Even the name, I didn't know any <laughs> song. Man, could that guy get everybody up rocking? You know, after that concert, I come away and I thought, because some of the concerts that are best are the ones you don't expect to be good. When you go along to a concert and think, okay, you know, I could have said you 2 and all these are fantastic concerts, which I've been, but it's it's the whole build up to it and it's the whole, did they meet the expectation? Now, yes, they did, but that was just one that stuck out as being, as being something that I didn't think that I would enjoy and I come away. The last one like that was the Rolling Stones. 
which I was got a drag kicking to just, what, two years ago, or three years ago. Okay. And I just thought, God, these guys are nearly 80. You know, it was a fantastic concert because I didn't expect them to be that good. But Garth Brooks, uh, like, you know, was running around the stage with, it just was so uncountry. You know? Those were the days, instead of holding up your mobile phones, everyone had the cigarette lighters. Yeah, cigarette lighters, exactly. light. and, and the big I, flick yeah. plastic ones. I was actually at one of those concerts as well back in the mid-90s. Your Christchurch selection. Yeah, unusual. Okay. Unusual for a different reason. And I'll, 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 tell you, I'll tell you the band in a minute. I worked as a, a you know, when I was big and strong and, and my rugby playing days, I got a job as a, as a, a kind of a, a stage bouncer uh, that you'd throw the people off the stage that were dancing or whatever, and I mean, you tried to get up on stage with the act. Yes, so I would yeah. stand. I would stand security. I, I was probably part of. You know, there was a couple of myself and a couple of mates would stand at the edge of the stage, and if anybody tried to get up or something, we'd yeah, you'd force them back. So uh, I remember being a kind of a, a what I don't know what the term was. Were you a bouncer or whatever? No, because probably I a stage bouncer or whatever. But I did uh, the cure. Um, I did uh, a few concerts that came out to New Zealand, but the one that amused me the most was on a Sunday night uh, with an older crowd. I was asked to go along, and I, I was the only I was the only person on stage, and it was Herman's Hermits. And after after the uh, after the concert, uh, is it who's the lead singer? Peter Noonan, is it? Uh, I, I forget his name, but anyway, a couple of band members come up and said, "Hey." you're the guy to talk to about where we go and have a bit of a party. And I remember saying, well, there's not much to do on, on a Sunday night in Christchurch, which there wasn't. And I said, but I can drop you off to uh, a, a local kind of university bar called the Bush Inn and Rickett and Road in Christchurch. Anybody that's listened from New Zealand <laughs> will know exactly what I mean. That was about the only bar that they could get maybe a couple of drinks on a Sunday night because New Zealand on a Sunday night or Christchurch on a Sunday night is 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 dead, you know. But so I piled them into my, uh, 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 I think four of them or five of them, whatever, I could get into my little uh, uh, Volkswagen uh, uh, bug and we headed off to 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 the, to the bush end. But along the way, I remember singing, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely daughter, out the window and that. And so I dropped them off and they gave me the thumbs up, you know, thanks, Bobby, dropping off, and I never heard from them again. But it was just uh, <laughs> having these, you know, having these four or five band members in the back of your car singing away, it was old school. Herman's Herberts, let's hear them singing live, I'm Into Something. Okay, that's Herman's Hermits, one yeah. of Brent Pope's choices here on the Culture Club. <laughs> There's a good reason behind it, in fairness. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we've loved the non-musical choices coming up in the second part of the Culture Club, which follows the traffic. 
Welcome back to the Culture Club here in The Last Word in Today FM. Brent Pope, rugby analyst and the man behind the Elephant in the Room Mental Health Project is with us for our choices. And you have gone as a favourite movie, definitely into a genre that has not been recommended before by any of our guests over the last four yeah. or five years. You've gone for what you regard as the greatest horror movie ever made. Oh, it's got to be. The Exorcist. The Exorcist. Wow, what a movie. And I know why it doesn't make the list of, of, of anybody because I was going to come along with the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly or, everybody you know, does. Everybody. <laughs> but if you look back, if you look back on horror movies, and I'm not a huge horror movie fan, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I prefer to keep away from them, but if you look back on the scariest movies that I've seen, then The Exorcist is top of that list. I still wouldn't go and watch that movie now. And it's so, it's, it's I don't know how old it is, what, 30 or 40 years, years old? Years, oh, 50, 50 years, years old. Yeah. And I got up one night, I got up one night to 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 that shows you how young I was. So I got up one night when it was when it was being on the black and white TV. It was up for an Oscars or whatever, and I saw a couple of clips, and it terrified me. That was before I'd gone to the movie. I'd just seen the the clips that they showed on the Oscars or something. And when I went back to bed, my brother for about the next week would wake up in the middle of the night and shake the bed. <laughs> and it terrified. But I tell you why it's terrified me, Matt, was because I, I come from a religious background and anything to do with the devil and anything to do with the psychological horror scared me more. I can take uh, gore and blood and, yeah. and uh, all day long, those movies like Saw and that, that you know, they don't scare me. But, I mean, if you go back to the best horror movies made, and I don't I believe this is the best horror movie made, I believe that if you go back to the impact it had on society around religion and everything I think it's I think it's actually the greatest movie ever made it's exactly 50 years old it was released oh, in December 1973 wow. so let's hear a minute from Ooh, it that still scares me look I'm only against the possibility of doing your daughter more harm than good nothing you could do could make it any worse I can't do it I need evidence that the church would accept his signs of possession like what like her speaking in a language she's never known or studied. What else? I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I thought you were supposed to be an expert. There are no experts. You probably know as much about possession as most priests. Look, your daughter doesn't say she's a demon. She says she's the devil himself. Now, if you've seen as many psychotics as I have, you'd realize that's the same thing as saying you're Napoleon Bonaparte. You ask me what I think is best for your daughter. Six months under observation in the best hospital you can find. You show me Reagan's double. Same face, same voice, everything. And I'd know it wasn't Reagan. I'd know in my gut. I'm telling you that that thing upstairs isn't my daughter. Now, I want you to tell me that you know for a fact that there's nothing wrong with my daughter except in her mind. You tell me you know for a fact that an exorcism wouldn't do any good. You tell me that. Oh. Just, I I remember Matt sitting in the movies and just saying, don't go upstairs. <laughs> I don't think that was a simple, I don't jump. You know, because every time she went upstairs, the mother went upstairs, something worse was happening. And I thought, oh, no, what now? You know, and I mean, the special effects and that movie at that time, yeah, yes, was followed by Star Wars and all these things and, and, and nowadays, you know, but the special effects at that time, 
you know, the the, the, the green vomit and just the, the voice was one thing that scared me, you know, that sort of, oh, I, I think everybody, everybody that was Catholic of a certain age that, you know, obviously believed there was a God also believed at that time there was a devil and, you know, yeah, that was the scary thing about it. You've got a favourite musical for us, which is entirely different. Again, you're going from The Exorcist to uh, Frankie Valley and Jersey Boys. You know, I, I I've seen that I've seen that in many different countries, and I've probably seen Jersey Boys a dozen times now. Why? You know, I don't know. It's just that kind of harmony and that that uh, that voice of Frankie Valley. I've actually seen him live uh, three or four times as well. I just. There's something about that kind of genre of music. There's something about that kind of harmony. There's something about the story of the four seasons. It just, it works as far as a Broadway yeah. But let's go back 60 years to oh, December 1963 from the Broadway cast recording of Jersey Boys, Oh What a Night. It's a season of firsts. John Glenn is the first American to orbit the Earth. We go out on our first cross-country tour. The label's raking it in, so they send over some girls when we hit Chicago at Christmas. And that night, I rack up a personal first. Okay, that's Jersey Boys. We're going to have to race through in the time we've left. To oh, us. sorry. Books and authors. What do you go for? Because you write yourself. I write. Well. I'm not a great reader. Really? I, uh, this was a re- no. I, 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 I'm just. I'm so impatient. Unless the book draws me in on the first page, I'm one of these people that annoying people that goes to the back of the book to see how it ends. I'm not a great reader. I can't sit on a on a beach somewhere in a, a seat and read a book. I, it's years since I read a, a book from cover to cover. Uh, I read a lot of um, autobiographies or whatever like that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Agassiz's one, Muhammad Ali's, all these are great. Um, a, a great little read mental health-wise is a book I see Tom Hanks is making to move in and accepting. It's called Starbucks Changed My Life. I won't go into too much, but if anybody's looking for a, a kind of an inspirational book uh, also for their mental health and, and what's important in life, it's, it's it's a lovely little book and it's an easy read. So I'm not going to... I'm not going to come out with the latest well, blockbusters and say because I'm not I'm not a great reader. I should be, uh, and it's something that I'd like to do more of, but I just don't have the time to get stuck into it. That's a fine. Yeah. What about television? Do you watch much television? Don't watch much television either, really. Really? Uh, no, I don't. I, I you know. Did I, you not grow up with watching television? I grew television? up on television. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, a memory there is is I remember always coming back. My mother, we used to go and visit my grandfather every Sunday. Uh, and he was about an hour away or something like that. And I always used to want to get back to hear the music for Walt Disney, black and white TV with my mum and dad watching these Disney. So that's a great memory for me. You know, it's a time, it's a loving time for me that, you know, all sitting around the, the fire and watching Walt Disney, 
you know, yeah. with the start of it, because I can always remember, you know, when you wish upon a star, and 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 it was coming. So then I went through the university years, and it was all Dallas. Yeah, you know, <laughs> the number of people that used to crowd into university hostels or rooms to watch Dallas, you know, and uh, and so they were probably the two things that I watched religiously. Other than that, I haven't watched one episode of the Game of Thrones. I've never seen the Sopranos. Um, the only one I watched a few episodes of those sorts of things is Prison Break, and again I felt like Jesus, just get out of the jail already. You know, <laughs> you got to the door, like just open the door and walk out. I thought you were a big Luther fan. Oh, Luther, yes. I've recent, I've, I've, yes, a, 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 a great fan of Luther over the last what two years or something. I was talking before that, but uh, I, I can't think, I can't think what I'm watching now on Netflix. I, I, I Netflix is something I just flick and back for, but Luther, yeah. That BBC make great uh, dramas or crime dramas now, they really yeah. do. But uh, I, All right. I couldn't tell you what a partic- what night a particular program is on. Okay, well, look, what we're going to finish with is your buried treasure. <laughs> so this could be anything that you think people should know a little bit more about. <laughs> well, I had my guilty pleasure because I did watch. I did have to say that I got sort of one of the things I didn't mention on the TV. I did sort of lie, but I did get into. Married at First Sight, uh, the Australia edition for a while. Uh, but my, I suppose, I suppose what I, I, my life has always been about trying to make myself feel better through books and music and art. That's what it's about. And it goes right back to what I was talking before about the outsider art. Then that plays into the the books that I would read. They're, they're largely inspirational, you know, for me. And then it's the music. And there's certain songs I would listen to like, for instance, Always Tomorrow, Glory Estevan. If I'm feeling a bit down or a bit blue, I go to uh, YouTube or whatever and I, I, I get I get these songs that make me feel better. Uh, and whether they evoke memories, uh, whether they evoke inspiration, yeah, that's what I like to do. Well, let's hear a little bit of Always Tomorrow. I've been alone inside myself far too long Never really wanted it that way But I let it happen If I could do it all again My life would be Infinitely better than before I wouldn't waste a moment Make time for laughing with my friends Make love, make music Amends. Try to make a difference, try to love, try to understand. Instead of just giving up, I'd use the power at my command. But there's always tomorrow to start over again. Stay the same. You only your thing is change. That's why and that's how we're finishing the Culture Club with Brent Pope. Always tomorrow by Gloria Estefan. Thank you so much for doing yeah. the culture. But I have one final sneaky question to ask you, and there can only be a one-word <laughs> answer to this. Which of these two countries is more likely to win the Rugby World Cup, Ireland or New Zealand? Ireland. 
Good answer. Thank you very much. I did say it was a one-word answer <laughs> no, and not a two-word answer. Exactly. No, I'll sit on the fence Ireland to win the World Cup. <laughs> French Pope, thank you so much for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.